Welcome to the Bold Goal Crusher podcast for anyone looking to stop letting life get in the way and start crushing bold goals. I'm your host, Sarah Mayer, and I'm thrilled to navigate this journey with you because it's time to start boldly achieving without working double time. So let's dive in. Hello, Bold Goal Crushers. I'm super excited about this month's book club book. And today we're talking about the book Relentless. And you'll see I have a million and one tabs. So this is a great book. It's by Tim Grover, a fellow Chicagoan. And I hope that you will join us for the live book club call to discuss it. But if you haven't read the book or haven't picked it up yet, don't worry. You can always come to the live discussion. We love to have you. And we do a great summary. So I want to start out by talking about this book. This book is written by Tim. He has been one of the coaches to some of the best basketball players in the world, like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, many others. And he shares a lot of tips about how to go from good to great to unstoppable. Sorry, I just dropped my pen out of here. Uh, He truly is one of the people that has been able to not only study these athletes, but train these athletes. And this book is a really great book, even if you're not an athlete, because it talks about the different ways that you can truly be unstoppable. So before we get started, he does use some terms in here that I want to make sure everybody understands before we jump in so that when I start to use the terms, you're familiar. So he basically puts everybody into kind of a three-tiered system, and he mentions that he never shared this until he started writing the book, and there's some words that you may be like, interesting that he calls them this, but it'll make sense as we go on. So his three words are coolers, closers, and cleaners. Coolers, closers, and cleaners. So coolers are good, closers are great, and cleaners are unstoppable. And throughout the book, he talks mostly about the cleaners. The cleaners are the ones that are unstoppable. And so he talks a lot about what they do to really get results. And the cleaner you are, the dirtier you get. He says that multiple, multiple times. But I want to go into depth on those three different groups. So I'm actually going to quote the author for a couple of the, a lot of this. So I'll read this to you because I think it'll give you what an understanding of them all. So a cooler is careful. He waits to be told what to do, watches to see what everyone else is doing, and then follows the leader. He's a mediator, not a decision maker, and he's not taking sides unless forced to. And he can handle a certain amount of pressure when things are going well. But when things get too intense, he kicks the problem over to someone else. He's a setup guy, keeping things cool until the closer or cleaner can take over. And everybody needs coolers on their team. Can't all be uh, cleaners, the unstoppable ones. A closer, on the other hand, can handle a lot of pressure. He'll get the job done 
if you put him in the right situation and tell him exactly what you need him to do, he'll study all sorts of scenarios so he can be prepared and anticipate what might happen. But he's uncomfortable when faced with something unexpected. He seeks attention and credit, and he's very aware of what everyone else is doing and especially what others may think of him. He loves rewards and perks and all associated with fame and would choose financial security over winning or success. So that's the closer. And those, again, are good or they're great. So coolers are good. Closers are great. Now let's talk about the cleaner. The cleaner is rarely understood and he likes it that way, he says. So cleaners have amazing careers. Cleaners make the competition study them. They don't care who they're facing. They know they can handle anyone. They trust their gut and shoot. They don't have to think about it. Cleaners don't wait to be asked. They just do. Cleaners never feel as if they've achieved success because they're always looking for more. Cleaners rarely congratulate you for doing your job. They just expect it. Cleaners don't have to show who's, show anyone who's in charge. Everyone already knows. And it doesn't matter what a cleaner eats. He'll still be hungry in an hour. <laughs> Obviously, they're talking about um, athletes. The closer can win games if given the opportunity, but the cleaner creates the opportunity. The closer can be the star, but the cleaner maneuvered him into the job. And cleaners never need a kick in the booty. Everyone else does. That's the difference between good, great, and an un and unstoppable. So he goes on to talk about how every cleaner that he's ever known shares some of the combination of the traits and that that he lists. So I'll list some of these traits. So when you're a cleaner, you keep pushing yourself. You get into the zone. We'll talk a lot about the zone. You know exactly who you are. You have a dark side that refuses to be taught to be good. You're not intimidated by pressure. You actually thrive on it. When everyone is hitting the in case of emergency button, they're all looking at you. You don't compete with anyone. You find your opponent's weakness and you attack. You make decisions, not suggestions. You don't have to love the work, but you're addicted to the results. And you'd rather be feared than liked. You trust very few people. You don't recognize failure. You don't celebrate your achievements because there's always more. And if you made that list, if you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. if you're nodding your head and you're like, oh, you know, it's not just me, you probably are a cleaner. And many of our listeners are cleaners. They're unstoppable. They're a game. But if you find yourself in the cooler section where you maybe need a little more direction or guidance, or you're waiting for somebody to tell you what to do, that's okay too, because you are still good. You can still be great and you can move up to the closer and then you can move into the cleaner. And sometimes it depends on what you're doing too. What I love about this book is he talks about the cleaner. So many of you maybe resonated with those statements like, yeah, okay, it's lonely at the top. Yeah, I do this. So when you're a cleaner, you keep pushing yourself harder when everyone else has maybe had enough. And when you work with highly successful people or you work with people who are type A, you know that they set their own standards and they continue to keep pushing their mind, their body, and their spirit. And what's cool about this book is he talks about what the characteristics of 
these uh, cleaners are, which he calls them cleaners. And he talks about them getting in the zone. And so I don't know if you've ever experienced being in the zone. I know I have on quite a few things, but what he talks about is you can't teach somebody how to get in the zone. That's different for every single person. And when you can teach people how to recognize when they're about to get in the zone, they can start to push the buttons for themselves to get them in that zone. But I know you've probably watched sporting events or games. I grew up in the Michael Jordan era, so I watched Michael Jordan a lot. And you could tell he was in the zone every single game. He truly was having that experience that they describe as almost outer body. And he was able to make opportunities. And that's the difference between being on being great and being unstoppable. And so I always like to share my experience of being in the zone. Um, many of you know that I rode horses my entire young life. And when I was in my 20s, I had the opportunity to show at the World Championship Horse Show. And I had a horse named Diamond Hustler. Well, I didn't own him, but I was had the opportunity to ride that horse. And the way the the event is, is it's hot. It's in Kentucky in the summer. So imagine hot, humid, like un, pretty much unbearable. And when you show, you show in the Coliseum, actually where the um, University of Kentucky, I think, or the Louisville basketball team plays. Anyway, it's a Coliseum. It's a basketball Coliseum. And so when you warm up, you're in what's called Stouffer's Walk, which is like the chute and you warm up and it's hot, you're sweating, you're waiting to go in. And then you actually ride down a ramp into the Coliseum. And there's a point on that ramp where you can't see in the Coliseum and you're just seeing like the, the ground and the ceiling. And then all of a sudden you hit the, the shavings are green. So the Coliseum is green. You hit the end of the ramp and you see the lights of the big Coliseum and the cold, freezing cold air of the Coliseum when you hit that the end of the ramp. And of course, all the people in the stands. And so I can tell you when I was warming up, you know, I was in my head. I had all these thoughts and I'm going to do this. And this is how I'm going to ride this particular class. And this is what Hustler needs for me. And I had all those things going through my head. And of course you have trainers like coaching and yelling. My trainer, his name was Kim. And honestly, he's like Fred Flintstone. He could tell you the nicest thing, but it always sounded like he was yelling at you. Like you're doing a really great job, but it always sounded like he was yelling. And so he was barking orders or things for me. And one of the things that I really did differently is a lot of people, when they were warming up their horses, would get them really excited and shake things at them and get that adrenaline pumping. But Hustler and I were very connected. And that's one thing about being an athlete with a horse is you actually have two athletes that have to connect. And Hustler was a nervous animal, really nervous horse. And so we did different things. Like we walked in circles and bent around and played. And, and so people always kind of like, we were kicking it, we were chilling. 
when we were warming up and people looked at us like, what are they doing? And it didn't matter. We were just doing what we needed to do to have a great ride. And so my trainer, Kim, he had a wife named Fran, who he still has a wife named Fran. And so we warmed up and it was time to go in the arena. And I know I was not one of the first in. And I remember going down the ramp and thinking about all the things like I should do this. I should do that. Oh, I should have done this. I should have done one more ride like this. I should have put more miles on them and I did it all through my head. Oh, I'm really hot. I'm sweat dripping down my face, but you know, all the things. And they put these, the sticky stuff on your pants and your saddle to hold you grip tighter to the saddle. And right before I hit the end of the ramp where the green, where I would be about to see the lights, I realized that they had put that stuff on my stirrup and the bottom of your boots are like flat, um, no you know, no ridges or anything. And they're really flat. And so actually, because those surfaces were not the, my boots were not bumpy, it actually made it slick. And so my foot was, I noticed that my foot was sliding a little bit. And I remember at that very moment saying to myself, get it together, ride your best ride and connect with your horse. Don't worry about anything else. And in that moment, I knew I went in the zone. It was like it clicked, like I needed to get out of my head and just connect with my horse. And I know that Kim, because I've seen the video, I know that Kim was like yelling things at me and telling me what to do. And so was Fran. And I didn't hear any of that. All I knew is that I was there to connect with Hustler and ride my ride. And I, part of the judging criteria for that ride is speed. And I knew that I had smoked some of them. (laughs) And so when I lined up in the lineup, I didn't know I had won. I didn't actually really care, but I knew that I had connected with Hustler and that I was in the zone of that ride. And People will say that they told Kim, oh, your person won, your your girl won, and all this stuff. I didn't know any of that and I didn't really care. And so when they called my number, because they call your number first and then say your name and their horse's name, I just kind of stood there. <laughs> and I had to wait for them to say my name because I didn't even know my number. I think it was like 564 or something like that. And uh, it definitely had a six and a four in it. It might have been 264. <laughs> Sorry. And so I, of course, one took my victory pass. And at the end, I just remember thinking, like, what just happened? Like, I don't remember everything that happened. And that's really when I knew I was in the zone. And so he talks about the awesome power of the zone. And how he describes it is he says, it's deeply calm. And I'll say that that's how it was with me. It's not relaxing or peaceful. It isn't yoga, but it's intensely focused. And once you're there, you have no fear, no worry, no emotion. You do what you came to do and nothing can touch you. And it's this elusive space where you feel fearless and powerful, where you can completely trust yourself and let go. And 
I can tell you that that is an incredible experience and I've had it as an athlete, but I've also had it as an entrepreneur. And so what's really important in this book talks about it is that you want to tap in to what gets you in the zone. It's different for everybody. For me, it comes from within. I have to have that conversation with myself and then I can click into that zone, but it has to come from that place of kind of get your shit together. And what you want to learn to do is figure out what those buttons are that help you get in the zone and then figure out how you can push them so that you are able to get in the zone more. And he talks about Michael Jordan a lot, which I'm a big fan. And he says he's the only player that he ever met that could play every game completely in the zone, always a cleaner. And one of the coolest stats in this book that I didn't realize is that Michael's shot percentage was 50%. So there was a 50% chance he was going to make the basket if he took that. So he talks a lot about the cleaners in how they get in the zone and how they're able to tap into that and how you can see it sometimes on the court or you can see it when they turn something on, but you can also see it when they're not in the zone. And so he talks in this book about getting in the zone, which is one of my favorite chapters and how it's the ability to shut everything else out and control the un uncontrollable. So that's one thing that cleaners know to do. The other thing that they do is they truly do know themselves and they never stop learning. So they know that they want to learn as much as they can, not only about themselves, but about others. So I love that part of the book. And then there's this section and conversation about a dark side. And basically he says that cleaners have a dark side that dark side that refuses to be taught good. He talks a lot about when we're growing up, we're told to follow rules and a cleaner harnesses this dark side into a raw controlled power. And what what is interesting about this is he talks about kind of dimming the light uh, where when you're a kid, you're more willing to think outside the box, not follow the rules. And then at some point, your light may get dimmed. But people who really are cleaners, they know that they need to push the envelope a little bit and their dark side kind of takes over. So he's, he makes this statement, and I thought this was a really interesting question. Would you be as successful if you followed all the rules and always behaved and never took chances? Would you be as successful if you followed all the rules and always behaved and never took chances? And the answer is no. And most successful people would say the same. So ponder that. Are you truly doing what you think you need to be doing? Or are you just following along? One of the other things about the cleaner is pressure. So he talks about how cleaners 
are always clutch. A closer may come in clutch in high pressure situations, but cleaners are always clutch. And a cooler is never in a situation where they need to be clutch because they're playing it safe. So one of the things that he talks about this is being relentless means constantly working for the result, not just when it's on the line. And I know we always hear about people who are like, oh, I work better under pressure. Yeah, you may work better under pressure, but how do you control the outcome rather than having to work under pressure? And so that's what it's really about. Um, <laughs> cleaners, I love this statement. When everyone is hitting the in case of emergency button, the cleaner is the one that they're all looking at. And so he talks about this idea of a cooler waiting to tell, tell them the plan. A closer works on the plan, studies the plan, memorizes the plan, and knows exactly what he has to do. But a cleaner doesn't want a plan. He wants every possible option open to him at all times. And I love that. And he talks a lot about how he coaches these athletes and he compares himself to a corporate troubleshooter because he's also a cleaner. The author is. And he says, I come around to turn around a troubled business, a troubled manager, an athlete, or put together a winning team when, when what they're, they've been working on isn't working. And that's what they leave me to do. And that's the cleaner's job that they come in and fix things that haven't been able to be fixed. So nothing really is too risky for a cleaner. Whatever happens, they know what to do and they really trust their instinct. And this goes back to, they say, I'll figure it out. Like for me, it's get your shit together and I'll, I'll make it happen, like make it happen. And that's what cleaners do. So a closer will adjust himself to a situation. A cleaner adjusts the situation to himself. But the closer has to know what he is going to do. And a cleaner doesn't. He never wants to be locked into one plan. He wants options and opportunity. Cleaners attack. I'm sure you can uh, figure that out. They know who their opponents are and they go after it. But what's also interesting is they encourage people to get on their own level and to bring the level up. And there's a story in here about Dennis Rodman, which if you followed the Bulls in 1995, you know that he was traded from San Antonio to go play for the Bulls. And he had this history of like taking some games off and they would lose in San Antonio. And so he kind of had an attitude like, well, if I'm there, we win. So I'm, I'm clutch, you know? And when he went to the bulls, uh, he was off after doing something wild to a photographer getting suspended or something. And Michael basically made sure with Scotty Pippen that they didn't lose because they were going to win with or without Rodman. And he basically was saying to him, get on my level. And that's what he did. He raised people up to his level so a cleaner makes things happen, a closer watches them happen, and a cooler wonders what's going to happen, <laughs> which I always thought, I thought that was a great way to state that. Um, so when you're a cleaner, you make decisions 
not suggestions. You know the answer while everyone else is still answering questions. And I think you know people like this, that the closers, the the cleaners, that most people don't want to make decisions. They want to make suggestions and see what everybody else is going to do, but not a cleaner. They make the decision because they know there's no chance in the world they're going to let somebody else make it. Um, they talk, he talks a lot about results in the book. So when you're a cleaner, you don't have to love the work, but you're addicted to results, which I love that. And then cleaners trust very few people and those they trust better never let them down. So he has a couple of great comments on that. Closers are afraid of the truth because they can't deal with it. Sorry, coolers are afraid of the truth. Closers dig for the truth and get upset when it's not in their favor. And cleaners know when you're lying and wait for the truth to show itself, knowing whatever it is, they will handle it. So this book really is about the characteristics and traits of closers, the unstoppable people in this world. And I think one of the coolest parts about this book is if you're a a cleaner and you're like, oh, what's wrong with me? I have a small circle. I don't fit in. I'm very different. It's okay because these are all the traits of some of the most unstoppable people in the world. If you're not a cleaner, but you want to be, you can be. You just need to start acting like a cleaner. You need to get in the zone. You need to know exactly who you are. You need to make those difficult decisions. You need to learn who you can trust. You need to not recognize failure. And you need to celebrate your achievements because you always want more. And that's how you'll get there. If you're looking for a book to really push you as a type a high achieving person, I highly suggest Relentless by Tim Grover. It's a great book. Join us on the live book call. You can go to sarahmayer.com slash join book club to learn all about the book club. We'd love to have you, even if you haven't read the book yet. It's all good. And our next book is coming up. You can also find that on that website. So have a great afternoon or evening, wherever you are, or morning, wherever you are in the world. And let's get to it because you can crush everything, all your bold goals and everything that gets in the way without working double time. Have a great one. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold Goal Crusher podcast, where we crush goals and everything that gets in the way. I always love to support my community. So feel free to text the word goal to 480-530-5368. Again, 480-530-5368 and the word goal. And then tell me all about your goals and dreams. Thanks for tuning in. I look forward to seeing you crush your goals this year.